0: This is episode number 91, with our guest, Daniel Anderson. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey guys, thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Our guest today is the owner and technical consultant for Anderson Media, a digital media agency based out of Southern California, and it's Daniel Anderson. His main focus is on the world of podcasting, where he helps both beginner and seasoned podcast professionals grow and elevate their podcast brand. With an extensive background in audio and project management, And a native of Essex, England, Daniel moved to the United States at the age of 17, determined to find the elusive American dream. There's a good story behind all that I can't wait to dive into. Over 15 years later, his experience in corporate America has allowed him to branch into starting his own business brand. Isn't that always the journey from corporate America to entrepreneurship? How exciting. Today, Daniel runs Anderson Media with his wife, Nicole, a seasoned branding expert and serial entrepreneur herself, as well as caring for the future CEOs of their company, Jack and Olivia. Help me welcome to the show, Daniel Anderson. What's going on, Daniel?
1: Hey, Josh. How's it going? Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Likewise. So happy you're here. I want to start with that, that final sentence that I said in the intro about the future CEOs of your company, Jack and Olivia. I'm guessing they're your children and I'm guessing that you're a proud father. I can relate. That's why I want to start there. Tell me. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. That's really what it's all about, isn't it? Looking out for the future of the children and and setting them up for, uh, for prosperity in the future. That's what it's all about.
0: How old are Jack and Olivia
1: today? Uh, Jack is six and Olivia is five.
0: So we have a, wow, very similar. <laughs> um, I, have, I have two children myself. I, have, uh, I mean, I, I always say a five-year-old daughter, a three-year-old son, but really within two months, they're each going to be six and four. So it's right there. So you have a six-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter, You said.
1: Yes. Yes. He's right. gonna be seven soon. So oh so, it's, yep. Yep.
0: oh so it'll be seven and five. I'm six and four. You got the you got the older brother, younger sister, I got the older sister, younger brother. It's adorable no matter how you slice it, right? How has fatherhood changed anything for
1: you? Oh it was immense. Overnight it was it was, um, cause I used to be in production. So my, my days were sometimes 24 hours. And I mean that sincerely, there were, there were days where I was putting together shows and I'd be working from kind of 8am, you know, six to 8am all the way through to the next day, uh, to, to fit a deadline for a show. And of course, when the kids came along that had to stop immediately. So, um, I remember walking into my office and I said, guys, I can't, I can't be driving up to Burbank every day doing this. This, this just isn't going to work anymore. And um, that was probably part of the reason that I kind of pulled back from production because it, it was, it was like a young man's game and you just you can't fit it around children. You're just doing a disservice if, if you're not around.
0: So what did you do? Um, I imagine that with that change, a change of income also followed then.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because I had to start thinking about how can I fit my schedule in and my time around being a good father. And I'll be honest that in the beginning, it was tough. It was, it was very tough trying to go from, you know, all out every day, full speed to now, you know, I've got to think about changing diapers and making food and doing all that good stuff. So it was definitely um, an immediate transition, but it was a fun one and it's, it's been part of the journey. So when you pulled
0: back, where did you focus to, to supplement that income shift?
1: Um, well, obviously working in production, there's other areas you can move to less intensive stuff. You can do a lot of the project management, um, kind of in an office, you don't have to obviously be on site, but obviously I can be out with the crews, which, you know, it, it kind of, it, it hurt a little bit in the beginning because that was my life for, for so long, you know, being out there with everyone and, and hustling.
0: Oh, but, um, yes. Wearing the... Access. Yeah, of course. So what you're talking about is the, the uh, identity that you've created for yourself in the label and now you had to figure out a new role that included uh, dad on the resume.
1: Yep, exactly. Exactly that. And how but did you... It uh, been, uh, yeah. It's been how- fulfilling and it's, it's been a great journey. I love it so you're
0: (laughs) yeah i know and 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 it's and and it's a continual learning isn't it i've found that uh, absolutely there's there's no nothing quite like it you either um you either love it or you don't and i'm thankful to just to just love it and every day it's it's just you know just growing me as a as a person more and more and uh, it's just a beautiful synergy there
1: i feel like more and more i'm finding um the sensibility now is that people are saying, oh, I don't want kids. Whereas previous generations, you know that, oh, well, you've got to have kids. And I think people are starting to wake up to like, maybe this isn't me. Maybe I don't want this in my life. And, and maybe I'm not that kind of person. And I think that's, there's an element of responsibility I, I'm starting to see with a lot of people. Like I, I've got two or three acquaintances that are just like, I'm never having kids. Like this just, I'm never going to do it. Which, I mean, for me, I feel sad for them. But it's better to have that, that real sense of what that is and what that purpose is than to get into something you don't, you don't commit to for your life, you know?
0: Right, I, 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 I see exactly what you're talking about, how today, this generation, there's no shame in saying, you know what, not for me, instead of feeling uh, that you have to or doing it irresponsibly, which we're realizing is no good for anybody. Exactly, exactly that. Yeah. What does your wife do now?
1: So her portion of the, of the business is personal branding. She's, um, by trade, a photographer, she's been doing photography, um, for most of her adult life and, and professionally for probably 10 years. Um, initially, and I don't know whether she'd, no, she wouldn't care if I said it, but she, she, she initially got into doing boudoir photography, which was a very niche area. And <laughs> I can't
0: even spell that. What is that exactly?
1: Boudoir. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So boudoir is, is um, uh, how, would I, how would I describe it? It's, is it like, yeah. It's nude photography. Not oh. fully nude, but like lingerie. Okay. And she found a niche in that, and it was very empowering for a lot of the women, uh, especially the approach she took. She wasn't into kind of the, the full-on makeup, you know, full production stuff. This was really more for your average mother or two that just, wants some nice pictures you know oh really yeah oh yeah and the interest in that was huge she she was she was booked all year but with that niche you know she wanted to obviously move beyond that and into other areas and that's when she got into branding photography so she's been working on on doing a lot of headshots and and stuff like that for different businesses and that's been hugely successful too and she just, she knows branding. She knows how to, to use color palettes and all that good stuff. And it's, it's an area I'm not particularly seasoned in. Um, so I just look at what she does. I'm just like, wow, how do, you, how do you go from that to something like that that's so impactful for people? Hmm. You know, so so, so that's, that's been her journey.
0: So today, by trade, you're, you're an audio engineer?
1: Um, yeah, I'd, I'd put myself into that. Uh, I'm moving more into kind of the consultancy portion of podcasting as um, the demand has grown for that. And there's obviously a lot more interest in podcasting in general, at least over the past year or so. So um, part of what I'm trying to do is, is get people fired up to be in the podcast realm and, and content creation in general. It's, it's, it's not just podcasting. It's doing stuff on YouTube, Twitch, mm-hmm. all, those, all those content creation areas. Um, I'm really passionate about all that. So,
0: But what is your skill that's taken you to this? Audio engineering, that sort of a
1: thing? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, initially, I wanted to be, you know, as everyone does, a super famous musician. And, a and rock touch-
0: star, yes? A rock
1: star, exactly that. And um, that's part of what brought me to the United States initially. Um, but my interest in audio and my, my, um, my kind of obsession with with being in and around the music scene um, obviously led me into audio engineering. And then from that, you can kind of branch off into a whole slew of different areas. But once I found podcasting and once I got into podcasting, I was like, this is, this is huge. Because it, it marries two different things. You've got obviously the production value of, of making a podcast, but it's also free media. And, and what I mean by free is, there's very little corporate restrictions on podcasting. There's there's very little um, kind of agreed rule sets. If you want to do a podcast, you can do it about whatever you want. There's so much freedom in it. Correct. And I just I love that notion of people being in control of what they're putting out. There's there's no ties to any business or you know it's their brand, it's their vision, and they can put that out there. And I, I want that for everyone. Literally every brand, every business every person that has something they want to put out should be running a podcast so i
0: so i love that outlook from from you from anybody where it's basically do what you feel like doing make your own path play by your own rules put it out there uh nobody can tell you differently unless you put yourself in the position to be told differently but this wasn't always your case right you worked in corporate america for a while where you had to fit the mold, play by the rules, sit in that box, yeah?
1: Yep. So my first uh, job when I arrived in the United States, I worked for Washington Mutual Bank. Ooh. I was, and that was um, a few years of really just eye-opening, just corporatism right there. And I happened to be working for the bank when the crash happened.
0: No and way!
1: Yes, yes. So, 2008-ish. Yes, and... Um, I got to be ingrained because what I did is I was on the payroll side of things over, over there. So I did a lot of the, the, um, the kind of payroll accounting for the, um, the, uh, the other side of, of Washington, it wasn't the corporate bank side of it. Uh, it was the investment arm. So when Chase came in, they just pulled the rug out, literally, and it was... It was a horrible time. Like, I, I honestly look back on it, and it was just there was so much angst and just, just pure anger at how all that went down. And I got to listen to phone conversations that even now, when I think about it, I'm like, mm. I, can't, I can't believe these conversations occur. Just, just the neglect of people and the, ne- the neglect of, of. Like, what? Um, so, I, I, I mean. <laughs> it was a pretty high up person in chase and the conversation was centered around what accounts they wanted to move over. So what accounts are you interested in transitioning from, from what we have on our side over to you? And this is what was said. And I, I'm doing this almost word for word. How many of them have more than a million dollars in the account and you know, shuffling papers, A uh, percentage was thrown out, you know, whatever it was. We'll take those, the rest of them, get rid of them. Don't want them. Now, these are customers and people that have been with this bank. Some of them probably, I mean, geez, twenty years, thirty years, put trust in that that corporate machine to be on their side, and to Washington Mutual's end, they were a very people-oriented bank. They they were very into the customer side of things, and that was just pulled out, and it was so eye-opening to me and then i got to see all my colleagues slowly get pushed out and, and their, their last day would come and i was literally my transition was right to the end of that so i got to see all the colleagues i would had for all those years move out and i just by the end of it it was it was like what am i doing what what is this this is this is not what i want to be around this is this hmm. is trash you know let
0: me uh let me see if i understand this all correctly so um Chase was in in a buyout of Washington Mutual at that point. So they wanted to, so so they were going to, or did buy and and merge with them. Yes. And then, so with this conversation that you heard, they meaning, so so they only wanted the investment accounts to come over that were a million plus. Mm -hmm. What does that signify was happening or going to happen with the others?
1: I would assume they were sold off to other lenders or other smaller groups smaller banks um you know just Mm. get them out of here we're not interested in them they don't do anything for us there's no value in that Mm. it was it was sad i i mean i i worked with a guy who was probably six months from retiring at washington mutual and because of how the crash went down and how the stock market obviously plummeted almost overnight he lost everything savings he lost his you know all his retirement plans because it was all tied into the stock it was wiped out and i remember sp- saying to him what are you going to do and he's like well i mean i can't i can't retire now i can't mm. how am i going to make that work so that was my first taste of you know corporate america at its at its absolute worst and i said from that point on you know i'm i don't want to be around this i don't want to be a part of of this kind of mm. this this whole mentality, it was a horrible mentality.
0: I want to connect some of these intriguing dots. So we know you came to the U.S. at 17 uh, yes. in search of the American dream. Specifically, you wanted to be a rock star first. Yep. Um, why do you think you couldn't, didn't, or wouldn't do that in um, in the in the UK? What was it about uh, the state that you wanted
1: <laughs> to make that happen? So there's um the entrepreneurial background in england is not uh, i don't want to do it a disservice because obviously sure. there's a lot of good businesses and, and and strong international businesses that come out of england but in the the mid to small business realm there's not really a lot of incentive to push people into entrepreneurship mm-hmm. um, not like here i mean people here it, it's it's given to people from a young age go after that if you have something you want to do get after that that's that's the dream and people in the uk they're very prone to just settling i think is the word it's, it's mm-hmm. not so much they don't have ambition it's just that it's oh well i don't really want to put myself out there i don't want to you know take a jump and, and do something that might you know harm me or you know just the status quo always keep the status quo really? so um for me at that time i was going to college and i just remember going into a class and thinking man all these people are here but they're not they have no vision there's no purpose to this there's no drive there's no (sighs) no plan it was just going through the motions go to school go to college go to university you know during the week go down the pub have a beer like it was just everyone was doing the same thing. And I thought, this is not, again, this is not for me. I, w- I always had this ambition, be it in music or in business. I wanna be the best, I wanna be at the top. I wanna do things that impact people. So I don't know whether it's a case of, I was born on the wrong continent. I don't, I don't know if it's <laughs> along those lines, but um, I made the decision there and then, You know, I have to go and see what else the world has to offer. Wow. And I just, I just so happened to have um, the, the convenience of my dad having moved here and remarried. Um, so cool. that was kind of my stepping stone into coming to America and, and, and living the dream.
0: Take us back even further. <laughs> what do you think growing up led you to this wannabe rock star famous person? What was life like? What was happening that you know yeah. made, made that all, oh, this is my drive now?
1: Right. Well, I was always um, a a driven student. At school, I was always at the top of my classes. Oh, really? I was um, what we call uh, head boy at my school, which sounds ridiculous to an American. (laughs) I I think a comparative word you have here would be like uh, valedictorian.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah.
1: But um, I love school. I love learning. I preferred being at school sometimes to being at home, to be absolutely honest.
0: Why? Was something going on at home? Well,
1: I didn't have a terrible childhood by, you know,
0: yeah.
1: means. Uh, my parents uh, separated when I was about 11 or 12. And um, it wasn't a good separation. I'd say that. It was It was hard fought. It was um, a struggle. But the difference between me and... and what I see in other people in those positions is I personally didn't let that affect my course really in fact I doubled down on I'm going to show everyone that the the kid whose parents are divorced isn't going to be a failure isn't going to you know mess around at school isn't going to be a bully or do any of that silly stuff that you, you usually associate with that so I, I literally doubled down on on trying to be the best I could at school and I kind of just put everything else aside and just kind of compartmentalize that, get it out of the way. Hmm. And, uh, excuse me. And yeah, it was, there were tough times. There were tough periods. I mean, my dad moved 5,000 miles away, which is about as distant as you can, you can be. Hmm. And I didn't really speak to him for probably a good five years. Um, but during that time, I just, as I said, I just knuckled down and just said, I want to I want to do this. I don't want to fall prey to to my circumstance.
0: So it's interesting you you were an A student, top of your class, and you wanted to be a musician. Mm-hmm. That's where your eye was.
1: Yeah. Well m- music was um to use the cliche term it was the release, you know. Mm-hmm. It was it was how do I get out the house and go and do something that's that gets all that anger and stress and you know and self-doubt out of the way and music just kind of kind of fell on me uh I, i wasn't really into it i was more into sports really at a younger age played a lot of rugby and football but once i hit my kind of early teens and got that bug for like you know heavy metal music it was it was all about that it was going to shows playing music learning to play songs and i just kind of focused in on that and um, kind of everything else kind of fell by the wayside towards the end of it. Cause I, w- I was so sure that I was going to be a big musician. It was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And even within that, there was an element of like the band members I had, they were obviously friends. They didn't want to step up to the next level. There was even an element within that. where wow. I was like, okay, I want to take this further. Like I want to go beyond where we're, we're at with this. So um at that point i was you know i was at college as i said i was kind of disillusioned by looking around at everyone and i said you know what this this is it i've I've got to do something right now to change my course or i'm going to be 30 years old down the pub with the same people talking about the same rubbish you know it's just it's not going to work for me were you were you good as a musician uh i was i was pretty decent yeah i mean um I played guitar, but I also play kind of all other instruments. I just have a, a learning to play an instrument for me is, is just the most rewarding task because it's, it's all on you. It's, it's, it's a self-improvement thing at its core. And when you can do it, well, there's an intellectual level to it as well. That just it is so brilliant for me because everyone understands music. Everybody feels music in it. And it just gets in here in a way that I feel nothing else does. So I've always loved music, all kinds of music, all genres of music. There's really nothing that I, I would say I, I don't listen to. But music is was just something that it changed my life. Honestly, it, it mm. changed the direction of my life so much. Um, so I'm I'm thankful that it, it kind of took over right there.
0: I could only relate to that today. Uh, Because growing up, I was the opposite. I was not exposed to music. I spent all of my childhood and young adult life uh, ignorant to it. I just, you know, it was never part of my life, part of my family, and part of my existence. And then in my 20s, when I started being introduced to it really slowly, but surely, I'm like, oh, my goodness. So now, um, not only do I indulge, like you said, in so many different genres and varieties of music. You know, I I, I don't dislike truly any variety. It's just what kind of mood I'm in. And I sort of use it as a um, sort of like how somebody will experience a variety of meals over the course of their life. Um, You know, I I like to seek out and listen and tune into a variety because I think it's helping me you know, like the more that I could engage and learn from it and be affected by it, I think the better. So why not? It's certainly not hurtful. There's so much, uh, so much to it to the point that when I had my children, I made sure to expose them to as much music as early and often as possible, a variety. And today, um, you know, they, they love it. Every time we're in the car, they'll, they'll be interested in like a genre that is almost surprising to me. I'm like, oh my God, look at them like dancing to this. And so it's, 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 it's healthy, right? You found that.
1: Yeah. Um, my kids just absolutely love music too, which I, I don't know if that's, me exposing them to a great deal because obviously some of the heavier music that i listen to they're, they're obviously like nah no, don't do that. <laughs> but um a little funny aside one of my favorite tracks and this has been for years but africa by toto is one of my yeah. favorite songs. and
0: so now, now, now it's they, yeah
1: they know that as daddy's favorite song so they're always <laughs> they're always sticking it on the the uh the google down there you know oh, play play, uh, yeah. play Africa. but now
0: but now it doesn't help that it's remade commercially and it's played every seven minutes right
1: yes exactly and now (laughs) i I seem like the bandwagon i'm like no that's been one of my favorite songs for a long
0: time right it's like thanks weezer i loved it before you guys loved it
1: it is it is
0: one of those songs yeah
1: yeah it's definitely um something i promote for parents you know get your kids interested in music even on a as I said, on an intellectual level, there, there's there's math-based stuff in music that helps helps you know helps you grow that side intellectually. So even if there's there's not like an interest in playing an instrument, understanding music and understanding how it's constructed is is a, a great tool and a great asset, I think.
0: Yeah, um, we're always in the conversation now. Of like I said, you know, my my, my daughter's five and son is three um and and we always say um we got to get her music lessons like now and and uh that's the conversation we're always in because she's ready uh and willing and uh hopefully able to play piano that's what she's Mm -hmm. and i'm like great that's as good as anything else my son of course guitar what does a three-year-old know he wants to play the guitar fine uh but the time is now it's never too young
1: yep yep and um what you see and uh, youtube's kind of brought this to to the forefront is you see a lot of these young kids who are like these prodigy kids and everybody goes, how can they be so good? What? I don't understand. Well, it's because they were brought into that music realm and shown an instrument from a very, very young age. And they may not play that instrument for their whole life. It might be just a little period they go through, but that will help them, as I say, shape their future. And it will bring them um, at least a soulful connection to music that they can use in a whole load of different areas you know business included you know having that kind of that attitude and that laid back feeling towards music can change a lot in your life
0: so true and uh i i love focusing on what, what we're talking about is really the influence and effect that the parents have and can have on their children so you were 17 you came to the states ready to rock it out uh as as famous as um Iron Maiden, you said was your, <laughs> yep. that was your band?
1: Still. Yep. Still oh, really?
0: Still is. Um, yep. So you, um, where did you land and set up shop when you came here?
1: So my first, and, and it was, um, this this is the moment that just like in my mind, just like, wow. I got off the plane and you have to understand where I came from, it's fields and cows. and. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's small town, um, no more than about. Ten, ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 people in the And at area. this
0: point, you've never been to the States?
1: Never been to the United States. Um, only really traveled to a few places in Europe, France and Belgium, really. And that was school trips, obviously. So it wasn't like I was a, a tourist tourist. Mm-hmm. But I landed at LAX and <laughs> I'm, I'm on the gangway going up from the plane and this cop walks down. He was huge. I mean, I'm, I'm six foot five. Oh, really? This guy... Was wow. probably three or four inches taller than me. Wow. And he's got the gun and the doberman. And I'm standing against the wall. And I'm I'm the Englishman abroad. I'm just like, what is going on? Like just this absolute culture shock. This just amazing culture shock. And we walk up, we, I walk outside, and um I assume you've you've flown into LAX.
0: I have. Yeah.
1: So the, uh, the arrivals, that, that double door that opens out onto the street. And there's like six lanes of cars. Now, a motorway in England, you're talking probably three a side. Like the whole two ways is six lanes at most. Now I'm looking at this, just cars everywhere and people and just this, just this, you're everywhere, just people everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is, this is what I want. This is i am i'm here i'm getting involved in this i want to see what this is about (laughs) i get it it, yeah it was point a to point b on a flight and it's like you're on a different planet like a whole different feeling and when i arrived it was 2004 when i when i arrived so there was um the, the sentiment of kind of the post 9 11 kind of feeling was still kind of there so everyone was still in that kind of proud american you know what you know how's it going welcome you know got it i i just fed off that it was it was amazing it was just an amazing experience and and um to that end i've been back to england once in in 15 years i've only had the 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 inclination to go back one time and i'll be honest i was there three weeks and probably the, the last week all i wanted to do was be back here so, so
0: Yeah, I totally understand and relate to a lot of that uh, in, in two ways. One, um, I wound up spending 15 years in New York as an actor filmmaker. So I pursued yeah. that whole role. And years prior to that, I, always, I, I was born and raised in New Jersey. Right, you know, less than an hour into the Big Apple, New York, and I had family. My parents and grandparents were were born and raised there, um, so I remember at a young age going to New York and having a very similar um, experience as you, feeling, oh my God, this energy! I want this. I could, I could be a part of this. So I was always looking to that. It makes sense.
1: Yep. And what's funny is uh, a lot of people ask me because I grew up right next to London so essex is is a 30-minute train ride into london central okay. London, and people go well surely you london's right there surely you were up there all the time And i'm like you're you're never a tourist in your own country like so it's not like i'm going casually into london for why, why would <laughs> just I? To yeah. hang
0: out right and yeah. The, right
1: yeah so it's um it, I'm sure people have the same experience going to London, it's a different culture, it's a different feeling. But when I arrived in California, it was unlike any energy I, I'd ever felt. And like I said, I just wanted to be in that and around that and just talk to people and, and see mm. what they had to say. And uh, for, a, for a guy from Essex, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was not really
0: cool. Yeah. So I, again, I understand the whole uh, pursuit of that dream of fame and recognition and performance. Uh, it, it, it never really is as glamorous as you want or think it or hope it to be. Um, tell me a story from, from your journey. A uh, lot of ups, a lot of downs.
1: Yeah. So the first two weeks I was here, I said, okay, I'm here. I want to go to Hollywood. That, that here we go i'm going to see the hills I'm going to see the sign let's go check out hollywood and Unfortunately, I got to Hollywood, and Hollywood was not what they're putting out on the <laughs> on the flyer to the rest of the world, you know so uh it's true it was kind of like okay uh so that's that's that done right and, that's uh, that facade that's that blown out of the wall, you know yeah, but um it started a process of like okay so. the the place isn't going to bring me, I don't, I don't know why I was thinking the place is going to bring me good luck or prosperity or anything like that. I have to find people. I have to find, um, others that want to connect and have that same vision and, and, and want to have that same drive. And of course there was people like that in abundance all, all, all over Southern California. So, um, when i was working that job at the bank i was like okay let's find some people to jam with and back then it was the old craigslist days and the the myspace days yeah so it was just okay let's let's find you know who who wants to jam who wants to play music and there was just so much at that time Uh, people you know great musicians i got to play with a lot of people good drummers and um it never it never went anywhere i think because again and this is an excuse life was just always there you know and i didn't have a lot of obligations back then i was young but you have to pay rent you have to do all these other things you have to pay the bills and it was it wasn't so much that i gave up on it it was just that the the focus shifted and as i got older it's like okay not everyone's going to make it in the music industry some of the best musicians best singers you know but obviously what the the where you were, you know, looking in films, some of the best filmmakers don't get a shot, you know, because it's a, there's, a, there's a purpose and a circumstance to it, you know, that, that propagates that. So once you, you get that in your head and you come to terms with that, it's like, okay, I'm going to play music for, for fun and I'm going to see what else I can do. And I've now got this huge pool of, of friends and acquaintances that I've, I've grown around the music business. And that's what led me down the path of, of music production so when the job at the bank finished i got a pretty decent severance package hmm. Hmm. and i could have gone and wasted all that money and sat on it and you know but what i said was okay i want to transition into doing music production so i dropped money on um getting certified on pro Tools, and then moving from that there i had a short stint as a, uh, a dj which was laughable but it was fun it was fun still foot in the entertainment industry yeah, i get exactly, it exactly exactly <laughs> and and that actually was the avenue to a lot of my contacts in, in the production world oddly enough because go figure a lot of cross uh, pollination with those worlds um, and then i landed this job at the production company and that was just that was amazing that was a really cool couple of years it was a grind as i said it, there were days you know i was up for 24 hours you, you're literally just hitting red balls like this just the whole day. But I got to do some really exciting projects and to work on some really cool stuff. So, Before
0: we venture down that path, yes. uh, you, was it a tough pill to swallow that, okay, maybe uh, I'm not going to be the musician I came here to be? Um,
1: again, I think it kind of happened around me in spite of me you know th- i don't think there was a point where i was just like oh well this ain't gonna work screw it like i think it was just i'm playing music i'm having fun um, i'm meeting cool people we're sharing ideas we're sharing experiences and um maybe something will happen let's just put it on onto that maybe we'll play a club and you know someone might be sitting there that's like here's my card you know
0: but you still had to come to terms with it so you did
1: yeah you did. Yeah, oh, I did yeah and it wasn't it wasn't um I don't, I don't, it, was it like wasn't devastating yeah. it was just it was more like again like the shift of the focus was was kind That's of cool. slow and gradual and and it's like hey i'm i'm gonna be 30 soon this ain't you know it's a it's a casual hobby at this point you know so
0: yeah um so now if i'm doing the math correctly um you have children at that point
1: uh so it was towards the end of the production job. Uh, when Jack was born, uh, it was 2012. What's the name? Jack, Jack. Oh, Jack.
0: Right. Uh, Jack. Right. We entered it. Jack uh, and Olivia.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, sorry. Um, yeah. So Jack came along right towards the end of that job at the production company. And as I said, at the beginning, it was kind of like, well, now I have to scale this down and start looking for other avenues and other opportunities. But, um, Yeah, it all led to to where I am now. It was all a little piece of of the journey that got my mentality to, okay, what can I do next? What do I want to be and who do I want to be next Mm. on this journey?
0: The the brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, was founded on the basis that I spent all my life hiding uh, all of my power, all of my skill, uh, really using fear as the excuse as to not achieve what I knew I was capable of. When was there a time in your life where you were scared out of your mind to move forward, but you knew you had to?
1: So uh, I had a period of about a year where I was, I, I was unemployed. And that would have been like 2014. Oh, ah, with, with I, children now. With children. And wow. um, I honestly, eternally grateful to my wife. She's, she stepped up in a way that like w- was complete insanity because i was trying to go through the motion of what what do i want to do where do i want to be and that year um i was trying different kinds of content creation stuff Um, i was streaming for a beer i was doing all kind of the, the live stream stuff and the problem with that was it was born of kind of a desperation it was like okay i've got to do something i have to do something like there was it was a rushed project because I couldn't, I had to make money. And that, and that was where the fear crept in. And I think this is the, the part of the mindset that people have to get over uh, if they want to be successful and they want to own their own business. It's like, this is, this is tough and, and you're going to be fearful. You're going to have worries. You're going to be like, how am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to pay the bills? But if it's something that you're passionate about and it's something that you truly believe in the reward will come. It will come. And I've been lucky enough that over the last year and a half, this venture has allowed me to transition away from a nine to five job and just to say, you know what, let's go. Let's, let's dive in two feet and, and see where this takes us. But the fear, it, it gets everyone. There's, there's nobody on the planet that started a business or started a venture that hasn't had that crippling self-doubt and Really, you, you've got to get out there and talk to people and, and kind of absorb that knowledge. Um, like a turning point, we went to Tony Robbins last year and that was just, okay, this is it. Like I, I'm, I'm now, I'm over the top. Like, unleashed
0: no- the power within?
1: Yes. Yeah. You went. UPW. Yes. yes. Um, Chicago, last July. Wow. So, um, and you
0: were jumping around, cheering, clapping,
1: applauding. Great yeah. experience. Oh, it was it was um it was just completely eye opening for me. Like because I've I've been to like my wife's going, Oh, you know, there's, there's, you should go therapy and you should do this and you you should do that and get you know and just jump in and I'm like, nah, no, no, no. And oddly enough, on about day three of that that event, um, I turned to her and I said, Well, you finally got me to go to therapy.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> the event. Yeah.
1: The event itself. I love it. Was just, so amazing and so eye opening and from that point onwards it was like the fear it's just it's a construct it's a mental construct and it, it, it has no place um in your journey honestly you have to you have to jump over that fear and just push it down and say i'm going to do this i'm going to make myself happy i'm going to do what's right for me and my family and and, and go from there and that's I, what it's all about
0: i completely agree what was the what was the biggest takeaway from that tony robbins event
1: Ooh, there was there was plenty. Um, day three was tough because that was kind of like the the face your demons kind of day. And you don't realize how much you tie your emotional state to, to these different phases in your life. You, you just don't make the mental connection because you're, you're in the moment. You're just moving through it. But when I stopped and evaluated it and I looked at it and I'm like, you know what? I'm literally this nine to five grind is is killing me like it is literally making me depressed it's ruining my health it's Mm. it's making me an angry bitter person and i don't want that i don't want to be that individual i want to be who i am which is personable and outgoing and doing things for people and finding solutions and and you know the upw the takeaway was really you've got to you've start you've got to get going you need to move now day one let's let's get this rolling get that fear out the way and and jump right in and I think everybody not necessarily Tony Robbins it doesn't have to be Tony Robbins there's plenty of you know self-help gurus out there but find uh, that spark in your mind that says I'm going to go with this I have to do this this is for me I want to be a better person and and it's it's again it's another point that's changed my life It was amazing
0: beautiful looking back on a younger version of yourself what Mm -hmm. conversation would you have with him
1: oh man you you have to be uh less just uh stubborn it's just a stubbornness youth is is this illusion of knowing better and and knowing the best course of action and having kids has tempered that stubbornness and now it's like i've got you, you can't you can't be mad at a two-year-old for dropping a, a bowl of cereal like that's not that's not real life that's, man that's, is
0: that powerful i love it yeah
1: yeah and you you have to strip away some of those those expectations and when you do especially with my kids i start looking at like why why do i need all the clothes folded and in the cupboard like but like yeah that's an important process, but it's not the most important thing in the world. Why are you getting angry about it? Why are you so agitated about vacuuming the carpet? Like that's, that's not right. Obviously it's not
0: the, it's, it's not the carpet. It's not the spilled uh, milk cereal bowl. Your yeah. anger, is, is, is a, that's a catalyst for your own anger and own frustration that yeah. I, 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 I had to work through all of that as, as a parent. I was the same way. Like, God, why am yeah. I getting so upset and so angry? It's not, I've, I've heard it put this way. You're never angry at the person or thing you think
1: you're angry at. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I would just say to my younger self, like, just lighten up, just loosen up a bit and just, just know that things will come good in the end. If you put the time and effort and energy into it, you don't have to control everything in life. You don't have to be stubborn and, mm. and forceful of your, your vision. Just go with it, be, be flexible and, and see what happens. And, and that's, that was really in my younger years. Like I knew best. I, 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 you couldn't have told me anything. You couldn't have told me anything, so that's <laughs> wow. growing up.
0: Do you believe that everything happens for a reason?
1: Um. Yes, uh, to an extent. I don't. I don't subscribe to luck in its in its simplest form. Um, life really is just the conclusion of binary choices, and that that path is is set by a choice you made previous to that so if you understand the cause and effect of of how things progress through your life you can manifest things because if you know you want to get to that point and you know there's choices that need to be made to get to that point you can make those binary choices to get there um but i, I it, it's not luck luck is maybe a a, a whimsical small part of of maybe someone's life but not everyone gets that luck again and that goes back to the the music part of it you may have a music producer walk in the door of that bar and sit there and listen to you play and come over and go there you go there's there's millions of dollars let's get you in the studio but for 99 percent of the rest of the world that's that's not that's not going to happen so you have to position yourself through those choices to get those breaks to, to be in the position to receive that that those breaks and that prosperity. So that's that's what I subscribe to. You know, make good choices, it'll all come good.
0: I think the the previous ninety seconds that you just spoke is the is is the heart of this this whole episode. It's mm-hmm. so true, so true and, and valid when it's when it's when it's put that way. Are you uh spiritual or religious in any ways?
1: Um, oh, that's a <sighs> I'm I'm spiritual in in the sense of energy. I'm not into. I don't subscribe to kind of organized religion. Um, although, <laughs> oddly enough, I did um, I did do religious education all throughout schooling. So I come from a position of knowing about religion. Um, I don't discredit it offhand. I don't I don't I don't have an adverse reaction to it. For me. That's part of, it. again, those choices. If you have something in your life that makes you a better person, it doesn't matter what that is. If that's if that's faith, if that's a spiritual thing, if that's a belief in science, if that's a belief in the energy of the universe, whatever that is, if that makes you a better human being every day and you can go out and, and extend that warmth to other people, there's, there's never anything wrong with that in, in my book. So... I think energy. I, th- I believe in the energy of the universe. I think there's there's attraction that that pulls people together, and 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 you know, you know when you talk to someone and you're not going to connect with them. It's it's just ne- it's never going to work. You know that straight away. Your body is picking up on those those energy movements. Um, so I'm I'm into that side of it. Um, <laughs> I've I've been super into like um, numerology the last year because I keep seeing triple numbers everywhere. Now that I'm in tune with it. I'm seeing triple one, triple two everywhere I go, which drives me absolutely insane. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, beyond that, not not religious in in the absolute sense, but definitely, I'd say a little bit spiritual. Yeah.
0: What do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time here on Earth comes to an end? Hmm.
1: Well, physically, that's it. I, I don't. I don't think there's any reanimation i'm not really big into like um reincarnation or that stuff um i think that energy that that is part of your life go go it gets spread out i would think it, it, it's not reincarnation in that you're coming up back up as something and being part you know that not that but your energy is getting dispersed back into the universe in one way shape or form and whether that's People talking about you or memories of people and you know so I think as as ties into that spiritual side of it your your physical energy w- would obviously live on it's going to be part of everything part of everything that's existed is part of us you know if you go back you look at dinosaurs and things that die it's all an energy flow that's been passed down you know for millions of years so I think. I think probably you just, your energy is just, just pulled back in, pulled back into the, to the earth and the universe and gets used. And, and maybe there's an influence in that for someone else, you know, down the line, but I don't think it's a a conscious thing that, that happens. I don't, I wouldn't subscribe to that.
0: I will leave you with this final question. Go ahead. Daniel Anderson, how would you like to be remembered?
1: I would like to be remembered as uh, somebody that not only elevated himself, but also elevated all those around him to be the best they can be, whether that's personally, uh, in a business sense, professionally. I just love the idea that my time here can be beneficial and helpful to other people, and I get such a great sense and feeling of accomplishment when I bring other people along for the ride. So I want people to remember me as the guy that helped them get to where they want to be, had great conversations and had a good time doing it.
0: Well, you're already on that path. I had a great conversation with you, a hell of a good time. What a guy. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate you, you. Loved meeting you and having this discussion. Really cool.
1: Awesome. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Josh.
0: Awesome, and I thank everybody for showing up, tuning in to this episode. If you're listening on Apple, on Google, or Spotify, head over, leave us a review. I love reading and seeing and uh, hearing what you think of the show. Makes a world of difference, as do you. We're gonna do this again real soon. Until we do, thanks for tuning in. Go get them.